time of the week again. Prepare yourself for the surveyors of saws, the sultans of spaghetti, the whispers in your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's Your Spaghetti Policy Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Alex and Jacob. I do have a question for you right off the bat, Richard. What is spaghetti like in Australia? I mean, I don't have really a point of comparison because I haven't eaten spaghetti internationally. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I imagine it's probably pretty similar to, to most other places in that you can get really authentic Italian style spaghetti. We actually, like here in Melbourne where I live, we've got this place called Ligon Street, which is just a a whole line of Italian restaurants just like next to each other stacked okay. alongside each other. It's, wow. a, it's all the Italians congregate in this suburb Calton <laughs> and, uh, and they've got their own street uh, that's full of their own restaurants and the food there is incredible. Okay. And wow. uh, everywhere else it's you know, everywhere else it's, it's inauthentic crap that, that you, <laughs> you do or you don't like depending on your taste. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a special like spaghetti recipe? Because David is supposed to bring his. Uh, did you forget, David? I, I forgot it. I forgot You're the it. one who came to us last I, time asking what our recipe was, and you said well, you that's would bring because it. I don't have a podcast talking about spaghetti policy. <laughs> Neither that's do we. The I mean, onus of this <laughs> is on you. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a diversion. Like it's just like, man. Like Richard, when we first started this, like we didn't want it to be the Alex and Jacob show, right? Because we just we tried to think of something creative, I me, and uh, like we watched. I don't I don't know if you all have ever watched Always Sunny. I don't know if it's in Australia, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but it was. David knew what it was exactly, like as soon as he saw it. But um, there's this like throwaway line where one of the characters is like, "So what's your spaghetti policy here?" And he comes in and he's eating a bag of spaghetti at a spa, and it's <laughs> like literally like, out of a bag. Yeah, <laughs> and so like if you know the show, you understand the reference. But then like when we first started, people were like, "Oh, are you a spaghetti podcast?" And it's like I don't know how long that would last. Like, could you? Because this is the 210th episode. Like, could you imagine eating spaghetti for, spaghetti for 210 straight weeks? I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone's done it. Um, but then it was like, are you an always sunny podcast? And it's like, no, it's it's literally just a name. And then it's just kind of, you know, it is what it is at this point. But um, you are the first, I believe you're the first person from Australia to be on this podcast. And I also have a question. What's it like having the greatest accent in the world? All right. According to other people, I don't even have a proper Australian accent. I don't know how this works, but <laughs> but uh, I'm always asked where I'm actually where I'm from. You know, people don't believe that that I'm Australian. I, I think my accent's a little too international. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I people overseas will instantly recognize that someone's Australian and and yeah. suddenly want to say good day, mate, which yeah. is always funny. Yeah, <laughs> but, do it, Jacob. Good day, mate. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I always like when I'm doing Australian accents. I always oh, resort sure. to like British accents, which I mean, I don't know. I, it's I, similar. It, I don't know. I can't. And then it goes to Canadian, and then it's like I don't know where. And I then am it goes to like New York Italian, and yeah, then. This... So Richard, we are we're in the uh, 
what would be considered the south of the United States. So if you're picking up some like slang, it's probably where it's, you know, it's derived from. I hate the southern accent, but I've been here long enough to where it's sort of like, you know, just sort of try to try to enunciate properly and not have that that drawl that comes with it. But it is, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, but I uh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. There is a bit of a delay. You know, the funny the funny thing with accents in Australia is you know, we've got this just massive place, Australia. Yeah. It's like the size of the US uh, in its landmass. But we have two accents <laughs> or maybe yeah, three. Work? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have, we have what people in the city speak and we have what people in the country speak. And, and then there's maybe a, maybe a more elite Melbourne accent that's sort of subtly know. different to the regular city accent and that's I it know that they had different accents within Australia. i mean i guess i should have i mean because we Britain, do britain like uk has like 19 different accents through like that tiny island and so like yeah i guess i should have assumed that there was like different regions i mean there's different... like 13 different accents in the united states i mean david has an accent that's right. right. Yeah, that's fair. He did. I thought I got I that Ohioan accent. All American accent. <laughs> yeah, Ohio. That's all American. Hey, is what that is. I I add G's to the end of my words. First of all, <laughs> second, I say soda <laughs> instead of pop. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. There's a whole debate on like whether or not to say soda or pop, and it's like I don't I don't really care. Like it's my wife. We don't use it. Oh really? What do you say? Soft drink. That's what I use. Soft drink. Soft drink. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so. Uh, it sounds very fast food to me. I don't know. It's like I can't think like once what it is. Like, oh, what soft drink would you like? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, they're they're ordered at Burger King. Twenty. I'm gonna switch it. I'm just gonna be like, hey, do you want a caffeinated beverage? <laughs> that would, like, what do you got a soda stream over? That could here? be you coffee. Know? That could be tea. That's that's a wide net there. It's not mm-hmm, just limited mm-hmm. to soft drinks. Um. Like, oh, carbonated. I was thinking of carb. That's why I said the the soda stream joke. And it was like, because carbonated and caffeinated are yeah. two different things. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Richard, can you tell me about the Null Arbor Plain and why it's the most terrifying place on Earth? No, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, it's it's really empty. There's like nobody, but hundreds of uh, miles, use, use your terminology. Yeah. Uh, there's no Come one on around. Uh, yeah. And, uh, if you if you if your car breaks down or something you you just fucked you yeah. you've, you're in the desert <laughs> you've got uh-huh. you've got you've got to hope that some somebody else happens to be driving by or otherwise you got a really long walk yeah to, to get anywhere is it like a rite of passage for like kids who like get their driver's license that like <laughs> you've got to go from one end to the other Sort of thing. <laughs> is that what the youths do? In a beater car. In a beater car. Because <laughs> I mean, some I'll, some folks ahead. do it. I, I got a friend who who did it, uh, and uh, actually, my neighbors I think are, are going to do it. They're about to leave on a around the country trip, road trip, but uh, not many people do it. it yeah, it, it takes forever. <laughs> How long it's does like it take? Like if you ride. if it was a straight shot from start to finish, from one end to the other. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's like four or five days. If oh my god! If you're if you're aggressive about with your schedule, like there, there's a train you can catch from okay. Sydney to Perth that is three days, and that's train. That's insane. I didn't even realize Australia was that big. If I'm being honest, like 
Well, you're... I don't know geography though, <laughs> Dude, so I'm really. Uh, bad we're not even going to like rehash that conversation from weeks ago, where you didn't even know where like Philadelphia was. But um, that's like it's that's always like sunny there. Calendar. What are you doing? He thought that's it was in New Jersey, <laughs> and oh, okay. oh my god, it, oh, I don't. Okay, we're, we're not. We're not going to. I don't want to. I don't want to waste Richard's time here. Um, but there's like a different breed of people that like live in Australia. Like you're just like some of the toughest motherfuckers on planet Earth. Because like between the spiders and the snakes and then like all of the creatures that try to kill you on a daily basis and <laughs> you guys just like waltz around like it's nothing like, yeah, this is it. This is it. And then like the thought of like just a tiny spider, like I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to burn my house down. Like, I don't I don't <laughs> want to, you know, so <laughs> it's just you have this reputation and I'm curious <laughs> of what does that reputation representation like does that. Do you feel it? I guess is the question. <laughs> All right. When I was growing up, we'd we'd get we'd get these spiders coming into the house called huntsmen. They're yeah. they're like this, this the, yeah, you know, they're the size used, of your hand. Yeah, they used to come in uh, banana boxes at work. They they don't they don't bite you, but but they're really huge and and kind of scary. And and my dad would give them a name, <laughs> and and. <laughs> Oh, no. And my mum would say, oh, "Get get rid of it, get it outside." And he'd go, "No, it's fine. He, he's he's Harry. He's just he's keeping the bugs away. He's making sure that mosquitoes <laughs> don't eat me." And <laughs> and at night, you'd see him running around the wall, up and down the wall. Oh, oh my god! No, no I mean <laughs> that's too much. That's I mean I understand. I, I like the giving them name. I know that like I know that the bigger the spider. The less, the less you have dangerous, to worry about it. Right? Yeah, the less you have to worry about it biting you. It's more right. so like it's gonna wrestle you to the ground and like take your money. Uh <laughs> but I, I have a I have a question for Richard because it's like my last Australian question. Uh do you think that it's I can not. win in a fight with a uh, with a kangaroo? Let's say no, like a know. young adult kangaroo, uh <laughs> he's like maybe 12, 13, 14 years old. All right. No, I don't know how long kangaroos live for. <laughs> I mean, you you've seen kangaroos? They're 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 buff. Like if if you look at them up close, you can actually see their pecs. You, you can <laughs> I'm see. On mine, I'm working on my. You can see they they got so. some serious muscle, and wow. like if they if they wanted to hop up and give you a kick, you you're gonna like break a rib. Okay, yeah, so you're you could screwed. Be like a draw, maybe like a <laughs> like we like clash and. This... So he thinks it's... if you call getting knocked out a draw, yeah, he... I call it a, I call it a win, a draw. Yeah, I would say a draw because like I technically didn't lose; I just got knocked out. Right? <laughs> That's exactly. It's called a TKO can, there, bud. I, I can still technically fight if I was like you know conscious. No. Okay, if you're conscious, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking about what Rich is saying, and that makes sense because there's a, a kangaroo in Tekken, and I always thought that was dumb until now. Now it makes sense. Like, yeah, and there's yeah, a what? There's a pan. There's yeah. a panda bear too. Yeah. Tiger as well, right? Or is that yeah. Soul Cow? Well, I mean, well, King is like half, half like Jaguar, right? Oh, that's a mask. That's well, a there mask. you go. Well, yeah. te Tekken and Soul Calibur are like the same thing, right? It's like the same game. I mean, they're not Mortal Kombat, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> really buff dudes. If fight you each other. if you had to go all in, which of the like like all in belief on one of these three things: aliens, ghosts, or cryptids? Which one do you think is the most logical and like if you were if you had to like full on like pick a side of the three where like who like where are you going? Aliens. Okay. What about you, Richard? 
I mean, is this all the information I have? <laughs> sure. Yeah. You don't, gotta, you gotta, you gotta, I told you, I David did not. He didn't. He didn't inform you about what was going on here. Although, we, uh, to be fair, like I don't know, like I don't know if what do you believe in as far as you have like you know any alien ghost stories, cryptid stories. I'm, I'm... If if the universe is infinite, we can't be the only thing out there. If we are, I'm very sad. Yeah, but, I mean, it's very depressing whenever you start looking at how big the universe is and like the odds of us running into another civilization. Oh, man, it gets really. I've been down that rabbit hole before. That's for sure. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Supposedly, they're already here. Right. Well, true. have you ever seen Mark Zuckerberg? Uh, <laughs> so uh, but I guess like if if you had to. If you were just fully convinced, like you're you're putting all of your chips into one of those three categories <laughs> of which one is to be revealed first and proven to exist, which would it be? I'd say aliens. Yeah. That's what I, I think I have to agree with aliens as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it because <laughs> it almost feels like like, yeah, okay, like just just do it already, right? Just like just like rip the curtain back and like let's like let it would explain a lot to be honest with you if if like you're like they've been it's a, a very they live situation where they've been living with us for years and years and years and it's like yeah like this I don't know just, if it's uh, they telling it. or not but uh, Fox News recently just released like a no like a, I'll, st- I'll stop it right there <laughs> okay no I'll okay, okay, right I know what you're thinking there. I know what you're thinking like oh it's it's Fox News or whatever no this is not relate re- regarding like any like. The, of the bullshit that they put on. I normally, will still but like, stop you right there. But they I'll are publishing right stories about like apparently there was some uh like senator or or house representative person or whatever that had just got done with a debriefing on UFOs and had watched like a, a compilation video of like all the evidence they have and he was like basically saying that we're not ready for it. Like we we won't be able to handle it. Like, here's, and I'm just like here's why they published that report, okay. There's something else going on. The worse things are for Republicans, the more they're like, hey, what about those aliens, though? Like, yeah. That's that's just what that's they do. I guess that's very true. It's yeah, called diversion. That's, yeah, yep. that's fair. That's fair. Well, for the real reason you guys are back, and it's always nice when we can make things work, David, because you had kind of dropped a little tidbit about a year or so ago, and you were like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Let me Let me back in. Let me come back. And I was like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> that's all I the was good hungry food. for some spaghetti yeah that you just yeah it was such a great time that it was like yeah and you know what bring a friend and you did uh you guys for i mean i guess i can let you tell it but for quite some time you've been working on a documentary um about this little uh gaming genre known as the first person shooter so how long like when did when did this start like when like how how did this all coalesce i guess how did it all... richard could kick that off actually because he was there first all right let me hear it. yeah all right it, it started even before i got involved uh so if you go back to around about the beginning of march two years ago i got a random email from some guy i'd never heard of his name's robin block and he was telling me that he's executive producer on these films i've never heard of called in search of darkness the huge epic sci-fi documentaries, like four hours long, going year by year through horror films in the 1980s. And they're starting to work on a, a video games thing on, on first-person shooters, and he'd like to talk to me. And, and this is all the info that I had in hopping on a Zoom call with him. <laughs> And uh, this sounds familiar. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that sounds familiar. I'm thinking, oh, maybe, 
maybe just wants to to get some of my expertise. I, I've written about the history of this genre at Ars Technica before. Uh, maybe even wants to ha have me on as a, as a contributor, like interviewed. And not uh, 20 minutes of chatting with him, and he pitches me on being a writer and producer on the film. Okay. <laughs> he explains <laughs> he explains to me that uh, that they they'd been working with another writer, and uh, it it wasn't working out. He, the he'd written something that was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't good enough to carry forward, and so they wanted me to take over. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Can I can I think about this? Can I see the synopsis that that is right now? And then, no, you yeah, must answer was, immediately. <laughs> I give some feedback on that. He sort of wears me down, convinces me to write a new version, and so I, I take a bunch of time and I write this massive document of his. Here's every shooter that we would cover if time weren't an issue. If we could make the ultimate FPS documentary. Is what it would be. It would cover all these things, all these games, all these uh, what I call breakouts, just like these topic-based feature things. And he's like, "Yes, this is what we what we're going to work on. We're going to make something as close to this as we can." And uh, I'm like, "Well, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Put yourself in a corner. This sounds cool, but am I really the person to do this? <laughs> I like shooters, but I, I've finished two shooters in my life. Oh wow! I, I play them for like, I play them for a couple of hours, and then like, okay, I've got I've got enough of this. I and I don't play this. I don't play that game again for ages. Yeah, oh, so, I played. So you're like Jacob. The first yeah. two. I played the first two episodes. The, the first episode, the first few levels of Doom. Uh, I don't know, twenty, thirty times in my life, but I've never finished it. And so I had a bit of uh, an imposter syndrome thing going okay. on. And I said, you've got to talk to David. David's an actual <laughs> FPS expert. <laughs> let's let's bring him in as a consultant. Because he, he had, we'd been building up this, uh, uh, what don't they call it? An advisory circle or something like that. Yeah, uh, something like that. And, Subject matter yeah. experts or something like that? Yeah. Well, we are the subject matter experts, according to Robin. But <laughs> yeah, there was some advisor team thing that he he had, and I said David should be on that, and and that would be my security blanket, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and so he talked to David, and he liked David, so he got David involved, and uh, and I'll hand over to David to continue shortly. But uh, eventually, um, it was decided that that David would take over as director uh, because. Uh, he's more the expert on this than I am, and and the other the other guy, Chris Stratton, who was going to be director, he wasn't sure that he could pull it off on his own, and and I wasn't uh, I wasn't yelling and screaming. I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was just I was along for the ride, and and I was okay with with whatever was going to transpire, and we didn't really have a a properly organized team at that point it was like this is even after we did a kickstarter campaign we still weren't <laughs> properly organized we didn't know who was doing what there was some chaos but david had been turning up to the meetings and uh, and chris suggested he could be director and robin asked me and i said yeah sure he, he'd be <laughs> oh, good no. for it <laughs> as long as i can still write some of it <laughs> yeah i'm happy yeah that, uh, and so david yeah that's uh so I also got 
a, a semi-random email from a robber a robin block but he had mentioned richard moss i'm like oh i know richard i've read richard's work i love his stuff i've been looking for an opportunity to work with him and like richard said i started as an advisor i attended all the meetings which is important later on and um i had i've written rocket jump this i don't know 200,000 some word book for Shack News that was just free to read on like the history of the making of the Quake trilogy and a lot of other 90s shooters and uh, I think that's where Richard or how Richard knew about me and um so I, I had this rolodex of like John Romero, John Carmack, uh, all the id people, a lot of people from Rare, a lot of people from Valve um and I just you know when the time came to kind of put together our cast list so we could promote that on the Kickstarter Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was doing some of that. Richard was reaching out. We worked with um, this two-woman PR agency, uh, Susan Lusty, who's pretty well-known in gaming PR. And then the Kickstarter's going for like a week. I met my sisters babysitting my nieces, making sure they don't just destroy my Switch. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Robin gives me a call on Slack. He's like, um, David, I want to offer you the role of uh, director and co-writer. And I was like, oh that's weird. I've never directed anything. Why would you do that? And he leads with, he's like, well, you attended all the meetings. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. I thought I had, I thought I had to be at those. Um, and he was like, well, but you also have a lot of suggestions. You know, the subject matter really well. And, and unlike that son of a bitch, Richard Moss, you've played doomed to completion time and time again. Those were his exact <laughs> words, Richard. So I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to tell you that now. Um, but no, like, um, I love Doom. I often had to be talked down by by Richard, by Robin, just not to make like a three and a half hour Doom documentary with a few other first person shooters sprinkled in. But um, no, it was it was uh, it was really fun. Um, you know, Richard and I wrote the scripts, and then Chris and I were we've basically been in the trenches on this thing for a, approaching two years because I was um, Richard and I would would come up with questions for the interviewers, and I was the one uh, doing all of those with people largely from the US, but also people from Shanghai, people from New Zealand, people from, I mean, you name it. So yeah, we kind of went around the globe remotely. We would just work with local camera crews. They would record and I would just beam in uh, via Zoom or Skype and ask them questions for like two or three hours. I was going to ask who was asking the questions or basically who was doing the conversation behind the camera. I wasn't sure if you were there because like I know it was... Because this was after, did you start filming anything before COVID or is it everything after COVID? During, during. During, so okay. There was, um, you know, the lockdowns were still in place. This was like September 2021 This started. So okay. we had to make sure that like the camera operators we hired, they were all local, but we had to make sure they were vaxxed because a lot of these developers have, you know, they're like 60 some years old now. So I didn't want them like, you want to like have like bringing a COVID, event. yeah, yeah, it's like a, a little directors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was definitely part of the process. Make sure you're vaxxed and stuff, which was real fun in places like Texas where that was kind of optional. But, what are you talking uh, about? They like they they love <laughs> they they they're so open minded. Uh, yeah, there's very headstrong people down in Texas. So. <laughs> they sure are. They sure are. Um, what was the process? I guess it's for both of you in in order to like pick which game to focus on or i guess which games to focus on because you had mentioned that you didn't want to do a three and a half hour documentary on doom 
you did a two and a half hour, hour documentary on Doom with a bunch of other guys sprinkled in. At least I, I, I don't compromise. Know. I compromise. No <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> listen, fifty percent of the film. It's only fifty. Was about. But, but I mean, it was about Doom. To be fair, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's yeah. one of the most influential games of all time. So, <laughs> you know, it deserves a it deserves its own spotlight and stuff like that. But, uh, like, what was the process and, and like was there? It's more of a two part question. There was there anything, any particular games that you did not get to focus on that you wanted to? Uh, Richard, I'll let him take that because he wrote the synopsis. Yeah. I mean, can answer the, the the second part first really easily, which is yes, we we had a bunch of games that we wanted to cover and we couldn't. Like Bioshock's a big one. Uh-huh. We couldn't get Ken Levine. David tried, but Ken wasn't available. Uh, and there are, I don't know five, 10 other games that uh, we would have liked to cover, but we either didn't have time for them and had to cut, or we just didn't have the, the we didn't have the material. You know, we, we weren't able to get a developer involved or the people that we spoke to, they maybe could only talk a tiny bit about and we didn't get enough material to make a, make a viable segment out of it. But, uh, to, to answer the, the other part, how did we decide what games to put in? That was me back at the beginning thinking about, well, what are the important shooters? What are the things that, that moved the genre forward? How, how, did, game, how did these games evolve? What, what, what is important in taking us from like Wolfenstein 3D to the latest Call of Duty? And all the games along that line and what are the weird offshoot paths that are worth talking about like things like descent which are fascinating games even if they're sort of evolutionary dead ends we wanted to talk about these different elements and we also wanted to go back to the the real beginning before first person shooters uh, were formulated as a genre but back before id software came up with the <clears throat> the actual format of you're going to run on gun, you got you got your gun visible on the screen, just just barely out there. You're, you're going around these these levels, you're shooting dudes in the face, you're looking up and down. Before before these things came along, there were really similar ideas, even going back to the 1970s of exploring right. a maze in first person and, and just shooting people. Uh, and so wanted to make sure that we had a few of those early progenitors of the genre in there. And uh, I happen to to know that stuff really well, so I I picked the three that I thought were the most interesting, and then from there it was just uh, what's what's got something that that makes it innovative, or what is so popular that we have to make sure we cover it. What moved things forward? What is a surprise influence? Like tribes was a really interesting multiplayer game that uh, kind of got forgotten and 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 left behind uh that's the game where you can ski across the whole map by by doing this you jump you jump when you're going down the hill it's it's a really cool game fantastic multiplayer experience really hard to learn how to play (laughs) but it was a massive influence on halo Mm -hmm. which of course we had to have a, a, a big segment on halo and so we we didn't have the bandwidth to interview anyone who worked on tribes, but we happened to have uh, one of the interplay execs who could tell us a little bit on the inside. And, and we had the Halo guys talking about how important tribes was to them and in influencing their vision. Um, 
And so in the end, what it came down to is what material do we have that's good? Because four and a half hours sounds like a lot, but when you've got a genre as rich sure. and vibrant as this, you, you've got to leave so much stuff out. We even had a couple of segments that were scripted and we had to cut them because of time. That's crazy because I the I saw the I don't I don't know if it's the final version but the version I saw was like f- over four hours long and I mean that's a long time and it I'd watched it in like day increments but like it still pretty much flew by all things considered like especially like once it gets going it just sort of like flies by and I, I mean I think that's kind of what the point was because you always want you don't want to be watching something and be like oh my gosh like how much time is left to this thing but like um I was pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff like like you were talking about the stuff like pre-doom that like stuff like i never like i never even knew about um because like I, I was born in 89 so like i'm like er- everything like post-doom like i'm very much like like you know familiar with but you still like l- you still learn things along the way um what was the one thing that you guys sort of were surprised by or that you had learned that you didn't that you didn't know in like all of the the interviews and research that you had done I actually, uh, so Richard wrote the segment on on the modding scene, and I I knew anecdotally that a lot of people who made like Doom mods kind of used them as uh, resumes to get jobs in the industry. I didn't realize that that's how Richard Gray, the level lord, had started. So that was pretty cool to find out. Right. That, that's even where he got his nickname from. He he mm-hmm. he became the level lord because he was he was this crazy skilled doom modder who was just releasing his own level packs online. And we even we we found a couple of them. There there are a couple yeah. that are still around. And actually, that was one of the most fun things in creating the documentary was I got to go into the doom editing utility, which was the very first doom mod tool, and try to to replicate his first experience with with this deu tool where he he took the when you when you're in e1 m1 of of doom you you turn left you've got the stairs you go up the stairs there are those windows uh behind the what's that um it's a it's a vest a shield thing right Uh, yeah the armor yeah yeah the armor and uh you look out those windows and you can see stuff but you can't go through and so the first thing that he did when he got into this tool was that he moved the the windows the bottom and the top up so that it was the gap was big enough to walk through and so i learned how to use the deu enough to do that myself and 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 capture footage of, of me doing that and going into the game and running through and it's just this empty space below that could run around and shoot like a hooligan, you know, <laughs> whooping, <laughs> whooping and screaming, going bang, bang, bang as you run around. I was, I was, <laughs> that uh, was a lot of fun. I watched the uh, Alex, had, I think it was Alex or was it Ian that sent us that, uh, shout out Ian, um, sent us, uh, that it's like an hour and a half long video on YouTube about my house dot what or whatever. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know, I couldn't one of us did. Yeah. I, I had but, informed David about it because I thought for sure that was one of his things. Uh, and did you uh, go down the whole rabbit hole? Yes, I it was. Did. It was crazy. Insane. Like, was, I, I that's the one thing that I I do love like about video games and like uh things that are like like that in video games like ARGs. I really like. Just I, I don't. I'm not smart enough for ARGs, <laughs> but I like watching videos <laughs> on ARGs because they're like they're super cool. They're like I love how yeah. in depth they are. He likes like, other was, people to do the work for him. 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do it, but uh, inscription was one recently that came out. That was kind of like that. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So turn away. If you, if you, uh, have you played inscription, David? I have not. No, I suggest you should. Yeah. Richard, you as well. Like it's a, it's, it's, it is a card game. It's a card game. Oh, wait, 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 the card game. Yeah. I did play that. And like, you're in this like mysterious, like gypsy camp or something like that. Yeah. It is really cool. It is. It's but a very it, cool it, concept, and it's got it, it gets dark and weird. It's got elements of ARG in it. Yes. Spoiler a little bit, but uh, but it's just like that feeling of there's something more going on. And so, like as I was watching this my house dot water whatever video, just like the guy narrating it, talking about how the the creator of the file was doing all these things within Doom that you like at the time couldn't do. Uh, like creating, uh, I think it was like creating levels on top of levels where you could like actually go down inside uh, yeah. was one of them. And he was talking about how you're not supposed to like be able to do something with the uh, the exterior of the house where it was like you go it's in different time, from the interior. It's different. Yeah, it's it's the yeah. one way, and then you go in, you do all this other stuff, and it's different when you come back. So I just thought, I don't know, I just I love that. The and if, I, I don't know, but I don't know. I watched. Uh... It's it cool. I watched John Romero play some of that. He played it on a live stream and it was blowing his mind. Yeah. There's a guy who like <laughs> just... helped write the engine and the and the Doom Ed, the editor. And um yeah, it's super fascinating. John Romero is like the... go ahead. He, you know, he's he's awesome. I, I actually have um if we watch the same YouTube video, a lot of the my house.wad was inspired by House of Leaves. Yes. Which I tried to read and I just I fucking hated it. Like I really like the experimental <laughs> format of it, and there are parts in it that terrified me because liminal spaces I think are pretty terrifying, or at least yeah, dread inducing. So but um, it was really cool to see. Like, and that's one of the points Richard made in his segment that like Doom turns thirty this year. Most games have. I mean, how many like console generations and games has Doom seen come and go? But the modding community is sure. still keeping that game healthy. And my house thought wad like that to me is a candidate for the best horror game of the year. It's that good. It's good. Yeah. It's like it's so in. It's riveting. It's it's yeah. like it's it, it, with every like step that you take within the house, it feels like you're uncovering another mystery, something else where it's tying out. And then there's the whole aspect of like uh having to read the book to kind of or not you don't have to read the book but like the book it following kind of the book's pattern and like you don't fully grasp what's going on unless you have some sort of like exterior knowledge as to like what right. the level is about and stuff i just i love that like kind of aspect to it so yeah. john romero just seems like the most raddest dude he he is he's really cool rich and i have both talked to him um he's up for talking about anything the guy just loves games talking about games reading about games thinking about games making playing like you name it he's he's down he's also a big metal and, and too. he's like played everything yeah that's that's actually one reason like uh so chris chris was actually he was like an hour away by plane so chris and his editing partner flew to the romero's house in ireland and like set up and I talked to John. I, I've talked to him for like a couple hours, but we did this five and a half hour marathon. We're like two of two and a half hours in. John fucking Romero was like, David, can I take a pee break? And I was like, Yes, John, you can take a pee break. That's <laughs> so formal. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, like you Chris said was no. like, I need to go too. I should, I should, I should, just to see what would happen. Like, no, John Romero, you can't, you hold it. Dude, um, I own, I own you right now. <laughs> so intense. 
but but it was i mean to richard's point like he's played everything so we could ask him about like almost any fps and he would have something to say about it which was pretty cool so but we had to be careful like we couldn't have John Romero in every segment, right? Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> just called. Just shows up, just shows up that's what I was told. I yeah. but uh, but no, like um, that's the thing. Like you notice in the first half of the movie, we got a ton of developers who were involved with the games we were talking about. So we were able to do, we were able to combine combine like nostalgic memories of like epic moments with deep dives into how the games were made. And, uh, you know, Richard and I, like, we both kind of became virtual actors because we did a lot of the gameplay. Some of it was uh, contributed by our backers, but others we had to, there were games I knew, like I did the footage for all the the id games. Um, I was going to ask you who did all that. There are games we didn't know, like Richard did, like Maze War, The Colony. He did a lot of the the modding stuff. Um, but, you know, we had the developers kind of locked down, some of them at least. But in the second half, it was kind of getting scattershot. So you hear more from like G-Man Lives, who's played every FPS in the sun, Evan Lottie from PC Gamer. And that's where we were kind of being more selective. Like, okay, uh, I think this was your idea, Richard, but, you know, we had um, Jeff Orkin, who was an AI programmer on No One Lives Forever 2 and Fear. And I played Fear, loved that, loved the AI. So instead of doing a deep dive on the entire game, we focus that segment on the AI and how it's actually not that smart, but it's really good at making you think it's smart, which is, you know, contributes heavily to the atmosphere of the game. Kind of like a uh, PT, right? Yeah, exactly. Where God, she's always, she's always behind you. PT's you just don't so know bad, it. Dude. Oh, yeah. I play that game so bad. So Richard, what two games have you beaten? Uh, <laughs> I've beaten Pathways into Darkness, which is, Bungie's first FPS before they did Marathon, which is before they did Halo. Right. And um and Portal. Those okay. are the two that I've actually <laughs> completed. Okay. There are there are a bunch that I've gotten close. Like Goldeneye, I I almost got through, but uh, I got I, I got bored. I was playing in me, an emulator because Me too. I when when I was a kid I'd play at a friend's house and so it was all multiplayer. Yeah. I, I played many, many hours of multiplayer, but I'd never played the single player. And so one day I, I fired it up in an emulator i'm gonna i'm gonna beat this and i, I got i got distracted with something else after after a couple of weeks <laughs> you you got distracted by watching the paint dry because it was more interesting oh wow wow yeah. all the it's shade the yeah shade, the shade. yeah this is our controversial era david you haven't you haven't oh, been here right. so yeah. 2023 <laughs> was where we, we'd make a controversial statement every uh every episode and that's you my guys are flinging I, spaghetti right now yeah this... i don't i don't like golden eye i never have um I, it was I, like, I, I get it. I and trust me. I get the appeal, and I get why it's yeah. important, and I get why people like it. But like that game, in my opinion, has never been good, and it didn't play very well either back on the N sixty four. So the thing about that <laughs> opinion is it is wrong. No, I just no. Like, I I totally get what you mean because it was like the the, the Nintendo sixty four was a weird platform for first yeah. person shooters because Absolutely. like. There was a cool thing you could do with GoldenEye, which I had never even tried, but like you could plug in two controllers and play with a quote unquote dual stick setup, which is like really cool, right? Who did that though? Not me, but I didn't even know you could, yeah, I didn't even know you could do that. It's like, like I got in, something crazy to tell you in just a minute, David. Well, Duke Nukem 64, that's actually my favorite version Hell of Duke yeah. 3D because you could, they had you move and strafe with the C buttons and aim with the left stick, and it kind of felt like 
it was like if this was a, a baby dinosaur emerging from an egg. Like that, that's when the egg started to crack. The right. first person shooter developers like, okay, we're getting there. We just don't have that other stick yet. That that came later. Right? Would you say that Halo really defined what would become the modern like controls on a first person on a console? Because like well, up until that point, I mean, like we had stuff, but it was really to like in my bubble of life, it was really halo that was like oh like this this can work on on a console and like halo wars was the same way for like rts is on consoles RTS. too so time splitters technically came up it, with that control yeah. scheme first but here's the here's the difference between creating and popularizing you know True. resident evil didn't create survival horror but capcom coined that phrase for marketing and so it yeah. kind of like paved the way for everything else um i i think that, i don't know i think that on consoles, Halo is to Doom and GoldenEye is to Wolfenstein 3D. You know, they were kind of That's like fair. the first big steps. And like even, I mean, John Romero has told me, he's like, by the by the time we were doing six episodes of Wolf 3D and we were getting bored creating these mazes because, you know, there were no hype maps, there was no variety in lighting, but like Doom, they could just make maps all day because it had so much more right variety to it. The The ultimate debate in 2023 when it comes to that stuff is mouse and keyboard or controller. Where do you fall on it? I mean, because you, you've you've obviously, you grew up mouse and keyboard. You're a little bit older than we are, but. I've got the it's... thing with my neck going on. I've got the next thing. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> like, what's, what's your thoughts on, like, which do you prefer, I guess, would be uh, now? I mean, are we talking on a console right now? No. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, what, where do you fall in on this? Because I know it's like, I'll, I'll play on anything, but I prefer mouse and keyboard. Okay. Uh, I lean slightly to mouse and keyboard. Okay. Uh, I, I, I grew up with a Mac. I was, I was not getting to play many shooters because there weren't many shooters on Mac <laughs> other than, Sorry, other than yeah, Bungie's Mac games. Really, but, you know, Mac we, really missed out on the uh, gaming community there. So. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I got a book up there. That's his book that, that yeah. I wrote behind me. Uh, that that proves that there there was plenty of interesting gaming stuff happening. Uh, the secret history of Mac gaming for anyone who's not heard of it. Uh, there was actually a, a really vibrant scene, but it was so small compared to what was on PC. And uh, Bungie were the only ones doing shooters on Mac, and then there were like a couple of weird games made with the marathon 2 engine that uh were just totally crazy uh there's this one called zpc which uh <laughs> is hyper violence stylized comic book like uh i think you you think of a graphic a graphic novel uh sort of black and white-ish but off palette and and it looks amazing it's shit to play it, it's not it's not a pleasant experience hey we've got some of those in the in the, in the current climate of games right now too it's so true. It, it's just it's a tale as old as time um i bring that up because i grew up playing you know counter-strike unreal tournament and stuff like that on pc so mouse and keyboard where it was very limited you know wasad and then mouse keyboard you like you didn't need a lot as time has gone on and I, I moved over to consoles, I became very acclimated with that sort of deal. Recently, as in about three years ago, uh, I, with the help of my good friend here, built a PC. And obviously, I i mean, a mouse is superior. 
absolutely superior. But I have a controversial take. I think the analog stick is better than Wasad. Uh, I think it moves better. So much so that we play a game called Hunt Showdown, and we play it a lot. It's also my background, if you didn't know. Um, it's a game by Crytek, which was not mentioned in your documentary. I'm sure there's reasons why. Like, Crisis wasn't mentioned. Um, <laughs> and because, uh, like, there was that whole thing when Crisis came out. Like, whether the game was good or not, again, we were talking about it looks pretty, doesn't play well. Everyone wanted to use Crisis as a benchmark for how good your PC was because there was that whole, like, early meme thing. It's like... But does it play Crisis or how that's does still, Crisis... That's still a thing, right? Right. Still still like testing right. And so having, I just recently like finally played through Crisis and it is rough. Like, rough. and I played the remastered <laughs> version. It's rough. Now, the second and third one are a little bit more polished and, and, and like, you know, more, a little bit more story driven. But like, anyways, but we, we love Hunt Showdown and it uses the Crytek engine and all that stuff. Um, I use a hybrid where I use the mouse to aim and I use the Xbox 360 or the Xbox one controller, but I have it like this. It's weird. It's so weird. And I know it's weird and it's ugly and I should be shunned for this, but I don't, I think that like Wasad and like keyboard now is so over cumbersome with like everything you have to do with hotkeys and everything, because I, I grew up on PC where it was, it was very, very basic and very limited and like you didn't need all of these things space was jump and you know wasad was this and then like you you, you point and shoot and use your will your, your weapon will and like now everything is just like like jacob's got to use like 30 different keys while he's playing and i just gotta like uh, just and it's, it's gotten pretty good at it so. <laughs> and so um every time i tell people that they tell me that i'm gross and it's like that's fine that, you know i i, I accept this badge because i know that it's weird but i embrace it and it works and i love it because it's what's comfortable for me. I've heard of that control scheme. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, like, if you're holding the controller kind of like this, I assume. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And you have a couple of shoulder triggers. You've got the D-pad. So I could see you how could that could hockey work. those. Yeah, you could hockey those. And well, I also have hotkeys. I have aim, reload, and shoot on my mouse. And then everything else I can do on the controller. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so it's... Multiple buttons. Yeah. Yes. It, and it's it, it, it works great. And, you know, it... it Listen, oh, I was gonna stop shaming oh, me. Yeah, okay, sorry. stop shaming say, me, Jacob. Well, I mean, why not both? Dot gif, right? There you go. I, mean, I don't. I don't care. You can use whatever you want to. Honestly, you can play with your your penis. You can play it. You can flop it on the keyboard. <laughs> I don't know. It's whatever you want to do. Whatever really, it works for you. You know. Uh, I, was I mean, David's not wearing pants, like, uh, so I'm wearing shorts. I just came That's from a funeral. I'm <laughs> so. not wearing any clothes. Is what it is. Did we get that on here? Or was no, that... I think that was beforehand. Oh. Yeah, it was before we started. Oh, sorry. Yeah. If we had yeah. a Patreon, they could have heard all that, but we don't. So, <laughs> yeah. so is there going to be like a, a a Lord of the Rings style uh, director's cut where you where you put together all that, even like the 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 stuff that you couldn't get to, like when that fit it in the documentary is going to be like a six to eight hour long version of the film where somebody can just watch it in the background as of their work day. I guess the question to that before that is how long is the actual final cut that people will be able to get in like what two months or like is in August yeah. digital August and then the physical uh, in September. Let's start shipping in September. Okay. Um, damn. That would be, I feel like the cut we have now four and a half hours is like the length of the special edition of fellowship <laughs> of the ring. <laughs> Already set that you got to set that world record for longest documentary. So is that is the cut that I saw? Is that the final cut? Yeah, I, I think it. 
or no, no. Was, when, did, no. when did we send you one i'm not sure there have been a couple cuts so i got i don't know i got the one the uh, there in this this like uh i don't know i don't know you sent it to me i didn't ask for it you just sent it to me <laughs> oh yeah that's true i did um so we, like... we we still have we still have to do what we're doing right now what's called a legal review so yeah. a lawyer is is checking for anything that we have to change because we're risking getting sued okay uh, and so he'll come Sorry. back with some things that need to be changed is probably like oh you need to pull this this little clip that you got from that's not yours out or you need to shorten this bit of footage so we got to do some of that the nip and tuck stuff uh, that the lawyer tells us about uh chris is swapping in some some final music bits that uh, weren't final uh <laughs> there's a few things that uh, that he had to fix a few glitches and we've got to add the credits, which is like another 15 minutes or something, we're told, uh, <laughs> because of all the names that we've got to scroll for, for the backers. Yeah. Does that count <laughs> against your runtime, though? It does. No, that'll be on top of the four and a half hours oh. we've got right now. <laughs> yeah, I thought you meant like, I think we can only go. We, we already had to use like a larger format of Blu-ray. I think the max capacity for that is five hours. So I thought you meant like increasing the total running time. But I think it, with that, it'll be like, Four hours forty-five, four hours fifty, something like Cutting that. Cutting it close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not exactly sure what the capacity is, but I know that. So what we did um, in like April, I think we did this. Um, Robin had some business buzzword for it, like a I don't know what he called it. But basically, we sent screeners uh, press so kits. We had yeah. Well, no, no, no. We had um, we had the, a cut. We did we the backer review. You're talking about that. Yeah, backer review, and we we reached out to some backers. Richard did that. We got like a hundred, and just saying like, "Hey, this is the movie as it is right now." And it was missing like some scenes. I don't think the intro is done yet. I don't know. April was four years ago, and um, sound was still really rough. Yeah. Sound was rough. Yeah, and Richard's done a lot of the the audio mixing for that too. Um, and we just said like, "Hey, what do you think?" And we got like a ninety percent aggregate score. So Robin was like, "All right, I have a lot of confidence in this." Um, we'll spring for the the higher capacity Blu-ray, even though it adds some manufacturing costs. Because if if it would have been, I don't know, maybe lower than like eighty-five, he probably would have said, "Well, you got to cut like forty-five minutes <laughs> or an hour," and that would have been a nightmare. Because we already he, one thing he said is this documentary really needs to land. You know, it has to be the best gaming documentary ever, and we wanted to take a quality and quantity approach. Because as as you guys said. We're already at four and a half hours, and there are games we omitted entirely. You know, there's no Far Cry stuff in there either. Um, and it's going to be and, so hard to like, because uh, I cause I can already hear the comments, right? Like we're in such a, a feedback world where you're gonna as soon as it drops, you're gonna have reviews where it's like, how well, they dare they? Game. Yeah, they didn't talk. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, not not to hate on Alex, but it's like talking about Crisis and Crytek and I just brought right, it up. I was just I know I, I know wasn't just, like I was balls, bringing it up yeah. as like I watched it and I just I noticed there was like four games like. I mean, there's like a clip of I think you have like a clip of Bioshock and a clip of Left 4 Dead. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. but like always, you don't there's talk. There's gonna about be those. Yeah, there's obviously gonna be those people who are like seriously upset about it and like well i can't believe you didn't talk about my favorite game where it's like but so i mean i think that you guys are gonna do just fine with it you know four and a half hours i feel like is gonna do it justice you know surely it'd be like a you can always like do a, a sequel second one yeah do a sequel you know it won't be four Rich, and a half hours richard's like no i'm not i'm not interested no no, <laughs> no, no i'd love to do a sequel actually yeah. a, because the 
the things that that I find the most interesting to to write are the those those feature bits, the breakouts, the, you know, the modding, the yeah. the esports and stuff. And we because we were so pressed for time, we had to cut a bunch of those out of the film. And even the ones that we did had to be shorter than I wanted them to be. And so if we got to do a sequel, then we'd get to really dive into some of these weird corners of the genre and talk more about things. Like I wanted to do one on on odd games, you know, the, the oddities, the, the weird stuff that that it <laughs> is not significant in any way to the evolution <laughs> of this genre. Barely anyone's played it. But how interesting is it that there's a, a Kiss Psycho Circus game and that there's that that ZPC game that I mentioned before and and all these other weird FPS games. I, I wanted to have a segment on that that I, I think would be fantastic in a sequel. Yeah. And we, we've got to talk more about military shooters and, and we've got to get Far Cry and and crisis and talk about the, the crisis meme it'd be yeah. great to have that in a film <laughs> yeah i think he, also like we mentioned ken ravine he's usually pretty good about getting back to me and this time he did to say no um and i feel like this documentary would be a pretty cool and valid proof of concept to take to developers who like when richard and i were reaching out at first it was like hey we're making a documentary they probably hear that 10 times a day right but <laughs> to actually wow. have one to show them that is like netflix quality um would probably convince a lot better than netflix better than really netflix. yeah, yeah oh, it's it, better it, than it, high score anyway, better than high say. score it, it, it absolutely is <laughs> but like that because netflix has got some documentaries out there i mean they do that that's a quantity over quality approach in a lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, fair. Speak, they do just throw as much as they can on there. Do you remember when like a Netflix original series used to mean something? And then yeah, oh yeah, back back <laughs> Fuller House, and I was like, all right, I'm out. Um, I would argue that like Netflix original series means that it's going to be there for like two seasons, and then as soon as it gets not good, even, they're going to drop it. Yeah, not <laughs> even two not seasons. Even. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It'll be it'll be six episodes, and then. They won't get 50 million people watching it on a Friday and they'll cancel I'm it. Still upset about Sense 8. I thought that was a phenomenal series, not just for all the sex scenes. Okay. Those were fine. Those were not great. Just, I loved not it. Just. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it was just like it the the story behind it was like super interesting. Well, you got like, a movie, yeah, so what are you bitching about? The fact that like it's incomplete. I don't, I don't even watch the movie. I'm still upset. I'm not giving um, reviews after they canceled it. You were talking about it like 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 other things too, like not just first person shooters like first person like adventure games you know because i think like dishonored is up there too because like is it it's not yeah. technically a shooter but like you know like with the you mentioned thief a little bit but like even like I, I could see it now where like that that branches off into something like dishonored or like even you mentioned prey but you didn't mention like the other prey um i'm sure there's again there's reasons behind it um but like if you were like let's 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 take the first person shooter part of it out. If you were to do something again, like you're given the same sort of parameters of okay, you you did the FPS thing successfully. What's what is a genre of gaming that you would like to approach and do the same sort of thing with? I know what David's answer would probably be. Uh, I, I, Richard, I may have the same answer here. Uh, Richard, do you want to go first? So for me, it's uh, it's real time strategy and point and click adventures. They're the two that that I most would want to do. And I think I've mentioned them both in meetings before as well. That, <laughs> that I want to do those. 
Yeah, it's actually, you probably thought I was going to say fighting games. And that would be cool. But yeah, real-time strategy for me. You mean you don't want to turn Long Live Mortal Kombat into a movie? I've been approached about that, but no one's <laughs> actually followed through. Like, if they want to option it, send the I mean, checks. I don't give a shit. Listen, <laughs> if I ever if I ever win the lottery, yeah. I'm coming for you, buddy. Hey, I, you know where to find me, you know? <laughs> Vaguely. Uh, I know the general area. <laughs> well, like, you, you have my email address. The rest, will, the rest will fall into place. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Richard and I actually, I'm writing a book on real-time strategy games, and I interviewed Richard for it. We talked for like two hours about a lot of our favorite RTS games, um, and that would be super fascinating to me. Point-and-click adventures um, would be really cool as well. I grew up with, you know, Sierra and LucasArts games, and um, I know Richard's really into uh, Tomb Raider. Would you ever do that, Richard? Would you ever do Tomb Raider? I would love to do a Tomb Raider doc, and I'm actually going to uh, be writing up a i guess a treatment for it so, uh you know a, a basic proposal a really rough here's my idea and here's proof that there is actually an audience for it i'm going to do that for robin at some point soon and uh we'll see you know, there's there's also another couple of things in in the works possibly that uh i don't know if i should talk about or not that uh it's very Robin's cool. been been asking me about uh, that that might happen. You know, the there's a really six su really successful horror documentary film franchise where they they've been doing the 1980s and now they're moving into the 90s. That we keep Robin keeps asking me about the possibility of a gaming thing. So there might be something that we're doing there. Cool. Maybe I like to see because I, I love it, it, horror games. Yeah. It, so. it might be a slightly different format. Uh, like uh, you know, someone that he's been working with, who who's coming up with a an idea, and and I might be working on on that if that turns into something. But uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I I really tomb the Tomb Raider idea would be like my dream project. It's Tomb Raider Two is one of my is probably my favorite game ever. Okay. And so I'd love to do a, a a Tomb Raider doc in in the same sort of style, but much more focused. Sure. Uh, you know, focused on just the making of Tomb Raider and the fandom and, and all the memorable moments, locking the butler in the freezer in Tomb Raider yeah. 2. <laughs> Everyone did that. <laughs> if you, first, if you played the, the game, game my, my would you played, yeah. Would you focus on just like the early like like one like the first five on like the PlayStation era, or would you do the entirety of everything? I would want to ask the fans first, what what do you want to do? Because my inclination would be either to do the first two games together or the whole first five set, uh, because if you go if you if you add in Angel of Darkness and and the the switch over to Crystal Dynamics and and their games, then you're you're starting to get a really massive scope. And sure, it would be more interesting if you can focus it a bit. And the first two Tomb Raider games was one team, except for Toby Gard and uh, Paul. Um, whatever his name is, who left after the first one. Uh, and then there's a new team for Tomb Raider 6 on PS2 and then change studios completely after that. Yeah. So it's a, sort of a natural, these are the natural points at which sure. to, to cover the thing. It's the first two games, then you've got the next three or the whole first five because they're the same engine. And then six should have its own film because that's weird uh, weird story there <laughs> with this game that was released unfinished and it was crazy ambitious 
and it's got a cult following, but everyone else is like, oh, that janky piece of crap. <laughs> and so there's this huge disconnect. The cult yeah. fans are like, this is the greatest Tomb Raider ever made. And how how much it sucks that no one appreciates it for its genius and everyone <laughs> else is wait really that but the fans <laughs> have been have been gradually fixing it and there are novelizations and oh, that's awesome. there's so much going on with with angel of darkness i can't believe it that that it's got this level of fandom attached to it i had no idea either i thought it was just one of those like oh well it was a thing and we moved on but that's that, that's that's good to know uh, to go back to RTSs, though, I gotta ask what your favorite RTS of all time is. Starcraft for me, Starcraft Three War specifically. Okay, for me, it's probably Age of Empires. I'm, I'm actually writing a book on Age of Empires at the moment. The first one, uh, uh, well, I love the second one. I'd say the second one would be the one I would prefer because it's more polished and, right. and they, they fixed a bunch of problems, but the book is on the first one. Um, yeah. Is and, and, civilization uh, of RTS? No, turn Civilization's turn-based. Turn oh, turn oh, okay. What is an yeah. RTS? I don't even know what So like Age of Empires, uh, StarCraft, one of my... War, Warcraft, Command Warcraft. and Conquer. Yep. yep. Oh, okay, so it's the, like the ones we have to like click and go build your bases and, like... and stuff. Uh, oh, dude, one of my favorite RTSs of all time. Like, I would probably put Age of Empires two up there because it's the one that like I probably spent like uh, at, across my whole life. Probably I've spent the most time with. But I love Age of Mythology. Like, I love it mm. so mm. much. Like, to an it was the first collector's edition of any game I ever bought, and I still have the freaking Minotaur uh, sitting on my shelf. <laughs> I love that game. Um, and I had heard that they're doing a, like, they're giving it the definitive edition for like age of empires Two treatment. That's what Jeff Grubb said anyways. Um, yeah, so, they are. yeah, dude, I'm like, I am because what sucks about that one is if you buy it on steam, like it doesn't work very well. You have to, you have to finagle some things. Cause it's like programmed to, to like only run on like XP and seven. And like, it will not, it will not run on a modern computer. So you like, you have to run it like on like as an admin in the background, like, and you have to use it in browser mode. And like, there's just like, like you just throw your hands up and it's like, okay, I'll play it on this like little, you know, square <laughs> because I like it. But like, I, I, I am like so excited for that to like finally hit. Cause like I will pour, I will pour some time into that. Um, I had another question, but it like totally left me when it was coming to all this. I guess I should ask David really quick uh, because we're at about the time. Uh, your thoughts on MK1? Oh, that looks great. I think it's a really creative way to do... It's it's not a reboot in the same way that MK9 <laughs> was, where they're like retelling the story of MK1, 2, and 3. This is Liu Kang trying to create a utopia and probably realizing that that's just not going to work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how badly that doesn't work. Yeah, everyone like, always I, shits on Raiden for all the mistakes he makes. Now Luke Kang gets to do it. Uh, but the, I think is up. it is it like just something that comes with like having that power. Like I, I'm 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 speaking in terms of like just being like the characters are actual people and like they come into this power. But like, is it just is it if because if to me it feels like if he does if Luke Kang fucks it up right then it just to me then it looks like okay well the reason that Raiden fucked up all these times was because he doesn't know how to he's a like kind of like a mortal with the powers of a god and he's trying to figure out what to do yeah. and it's just like this idea that 
you can't really fix anything without breaking something else. I don't know. And again, I, I don't have the vast MK knowledge you guys have. So it's an interesting perspective because Raiden was always a god who had the perspective of being a human, but then he'd get pissed off at humans and like start wearing black clothes and shooting red lightning and listen, things right. just listen. went sideways. We all but like everyone's been in. <laughs> everyone has had that experience in real that life with humans. Phase, okay, dude. Yeah, everyone. I mean, everybody has yeah. their emo phase. It's very everybody, relatable. Everybody starts wearing black and they get like you know red eyes and they Spider-Man, start shooting lightning, man. Like gosh, come even on. I've, Toby I've McGuire been there. <laughs> last week, last week was super rough, but I got over it. Um. But Luke Kang started as a human. So I feel like it's probably going to come from this like altruistic desire to fix things, uh-huh. but it just isn't going to work out. And I'm looking forward to seeing so, it. So from what little we know, we do know that like almost everyone in the game has no idea of what's happened other than Luke Kang and somebody else. We can probably guess yeah. who. Um, yeah. I do have this. I, I'm in a Oro. weird spot. Well, I'm in this weird spot when it comes to something like this because, like, I hold Mortal Kombat so near and dear to my heart, as do you, as you know. And this idea of I, I kind of dig changing things around, but I also there's that like purist mentality where it's like, no, no, like th- there is a reason why they these things are the way they are. But I do have this feeling, and I I could be way wrong that after it's all said and done, we're still we may not get. We're going to get to the same journey or we're not. It's going to be a different journey, but we're going to get to the same destination. Right. Could happen. I, I think that fans are having that. Um, they are feeling kind of a disconnect where like they look at Goro and they're like, he's smaller. I'm like, well, in this reality, he's a prince, which is what he was. But right. he also wasn't enslaved and bred to be, you know, right. Shao Kahn's hitman. Right. So. That's it's a cool way to play, put a twist on some characters in mythology. As a scorpion guy, I'm not thrilled. <laughs> if I'm being honest with the the new take on it, if if it ends up being Kwai Liang, I mean that's fine. Uh, but it's just like it, the boys are it, finally it hurts together. my soul a little bit because I am I have been ingrained my whole life Sub Zero versus Scorpion like that's the way. and like even like with Eleven where they teamed up like it's fine. But like Scorpion is the way he is, and it's always been Hanzo. And like it's you just... must you must set your prejudices aside. I know. I, I think know. My favorite part is how Very anime hard. smoke looks. Like oh oh my! Like, like he, you he, yeah you didn't play trailer. nine though. I know, but like the trailer, like he just looks he looks like Kakashi Sensei. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but I do. Uh, Naruto is my dude. favorite anime of all time. God, dude, yeah. I love it so much. Uh, but I loved how anime he looked in that. It's so funny to me. I feel it's like Richard God, could man. not give a shit about what we're talking about. <laughs> I got no idea what you guys are talking about. To me, <laughs> I don't play fighting games and Mortal Kombat. To me, it's like I know the movie, the, the original movie, and I know the first game, and I would just yeah. spam Sub Zero. Because I didn't know I didn't know the combos except for that one thing where you go sh- and you yeah. you shoot yeah, the ice bro. at the other guy. That's yeah, the only that's thing me. I knew how that's to do. That's me before I met Alex. That's exactly yeah. what it was. That was me before. And I, then after I met Alex, I had to go to YouTube and I had to watch like a three-hour-long video on like the lore of MK. And it's like, is it three hours? That's that's not very I long. I want to say that like before that's our our last episode with David, I was like, shit, I gotta buff up on my my MK knowledge. Else <laughs> these guys are gonna leave me in the dust. And so like I was sitting there watching YouTube lore videos on like, mk and then it's like oh but then like it all gets reset because like armageddon happens but it doesn't get like, reset but then it, it does doesn't but it does and then it's like oh and then raiden he goes back in time and he's like hey stop it and then the other raid <laughs> don't like, do well, that uh he must have meant something completely different he must win it's like 
God damn. Was, Another thing that we've started, David, since you've been here. So like when we hit episode 200, we kind of got to that point to where it's like, all right, like Jacob and I, Jacob and I, oh my God, I can't talk. Jacob and I have <laughs> exhausted every opinion that we've ever had about everything. Right. And so we've started doing a thing where we have a rotating third chair at this point, it's the third and fourth chair. Um, but we also do a weekly top five. And I thought how appropriate it would be to, since you guys are here, we're going to do, in your opinion, the most, the top five most influential video games of all time. Not FPS, but just video games? Video you games of all time. You don't time. have to give like a huge explanation as to like. Yeah, you don't. It's not. Play. This is. Like, you're not writing a dissertation. Like, it's hey, just what do you think? Five to one, one to five doesn't matter. In, in no particular order, order either. But it's just like your opinion. Like as you've seen the the the, the industry grow to like what it is now, and like and you guys have done it. Like I, I feel like Doom is probably going to be on there. But like, what what games do you think have just been so influential that you still like it? Whatever, whatever your parameters are. I'm not I'm gonna set the parameters for you. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna I'm just gonna mm-hmm. throw it out there because you know I like to give Richard like the very basic thing and let him figure out. <laughs> <laughs> uh Richard, you want to take this one first? Shit. <laughs> Off the top of my head, that's really hard to do. It is, um, it is. So yeah, Doom's gonna be in there for sure. Yeah. Uh I think maybe Elite in nineteen eighty four, uh space game uh would be in there um mist maybe would be in there too it it, it kind of it, it changed things it, it created the the interest in, in a much wider population of, of yeah, in, in playing video games that weren't just like sim city or oregon trail or whatever right. crap that people came across in regular pop culture uh with those three games um one of the Mario's would, would have to be in there. I don't know whether it'd be uh, the first one or Mario World or Mario 64, maybe, because it was the first 3D. Uh, uh, um, fifth one. Um, <laughs> there are so many games that <laughs> there are so many games like could mention. I mean, like, I'd love to say Tomb Raider, but I think Mario was more influential than Tomb Raider in, in establishing the, the whole 3d movement and platforming and things okay. uh i don't know <laughs> I, I could say like a, a a bit of a dark horse option might be uh fifa okay yeah because oh, yeah, uh yeah. because it, it changed things with sports games uh, after or, or you could say even madden maybe maybe the first madden because that was earlier than fifa it was let's be more authentic and and set the course of what sports games are now you you have to just try to replicate the tv experience of the sport as closely as possible I like the answer. which one could argue that makes the game less fun yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting like because i get into the sim stuff depending on the game like i i like the wwe 2k games because they're more simulation wrestling right i can nerd out about that stuff all the day but um those, those are great picks i would go with and again i'll, I'll add richard's caveat that there are so many games i could mention sure. but in no particular order tetris street fighter 2 doom zelda ocarina of time which is still my favorite game ever 
Um, and I'll say King's Quest, the first one. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's very... The like the the first four is pretty much what my list would have probably been. I don't know. I feel like, man, like this is. I feel like Fortnite has to be in there as much as I hate it. Like it has in it's influenced the industry in such a way, in a bad way, in my opinion, that mm. it has it has made sir it has made thresholds within the industry nearly impossible to achieve. Because yes. of what Fortnite has become, Call of Duty was it could you could also use that too on like on 360 and like how Call of Duty kind of helped. But like again, what you define as influential, I I feel like as my, again I hate it, but like Fortnite is it's it's just a juggernaut that can't be stopped, and it's it just prints money, like it just prints money so much so for the for the same reasons. Right? Yeah, when again, they got Master Chief in Fortnite. I well, that like, that's the thing, and it's no. like it's. As great as Fortnite is for like the casual person and stuff, but like all of these company execs see how much money it gets in and they they start steering stuff to go in that direction. And you're never gonna take Fortnite. You're never you're never gonna overthrow it. So you're just like damning a bunch of people to make something that's gonna die die like be dead on arrival. Unless because, of course you're Apple and you can tell them, Hey, you don't get your app on my platform well, anymore. Yeah, but <laughs> because but yeah, I mean about thirty percent cut, you know. I, I mean maybe Minecraft could be in there too. Like if I had to pick, I don't know which one I would pick is more influential between Minecraft and and Fortnite. Maybe Minecraft, but but then you could also you could also be if you talk if you're going to talk about Fortnite, you got to think about things like Angry Birds, which yeah. set yeah. the whole free to play thing in motion. Sure. Where yeah, now it's not it's not a big thing now, but back in the earlier App Store when we started sure. this this whole race to the bottom, and and Apple finally allowed you to have free apps that would have in-app purchases and angry yeah. birds was maybe the, the the poster child for that became the most successful yeah, thing uh, unless that. unless maybe you say candy crush for the same mm -hmm. reason uh yeah. was candy and, crush and on it was phone just everywhere or, or facebook phone. oh, oh shit facebook, facebook I maybe yeah i think it's yeah, facebook, it facebook first yeah Ooh, then you gotta yeah. think about farmville farmville oh. kind of revolutionized yeah like, uh, yeah, yeah farmville was was free to play making shitloads of money from, yeah. from charging you to to, to want to upgrade your farm get more shit yeah and that, yeah, that mafia more game, of those items <laughs> there's that mafia game on facebook too i think yeah. a little before farmville. mafia wars or something yeah Dude, yeah i, I saw that everywhere because yeah, I, I mean yeah. again it's it's all up to like your definition of like what info like obviously yeah doom mario Oh, I didn't even mention Super Mario Brothers, or maybe even Donkey Kong. But yeah, like, yeah, like so many games: Tetris, yeah. Doom, Mario. Uh, I've, I I got to throw a Zelda in there because it's pretty much like the precursor for all like action adventure games. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I feel like it's got to yeah, be. You got to think about like if you, if you go on like way back, you can think about Wizardry, the RPG, sure. yeah. and Ultima, and Colossal get Cave, back. like. You yeah, know. you can get back to the very beginning. You know, <laughs> yeah. how do you want to define things? This is where you get <laughs> right. into that dissertation crap of, of well, we've got to set some criteria. Yeah, and we have to to really evaluate things. But you know, come up with this criteria system, evaluate it, figure out well, how do we define importance, aliens. And influence, and aliens, yeah, aliens for sure. Well, that's the thing. Does, like, does it have to be the first idea of this, yeah. or is it the one that had the people will be impact? like, people are like, oh, well, what's your favorite? 
what's your favorite top five games of all time? And it's like, that's, that's, that is such a broad question because like, I need to know specifics and parameters. What's your top five favorite albums of all time? Well, it depends on the mood I'm in. Like, like, you know, this is just the general, and like, here I am being, I'm I'm asking you this, but that was, well, point. (laughs) like to Richard's point, like he mentioned Super Mario 64 for its impact on 3D games, right? Like Ocarina of Time to me was like the second half of that equation because it, it cemented, targeting in 3d which before that it was really difficult to do but ocarina of times like the reticule system z targeting was this huge thing and it's sure. been you still target that way in, in 3d games for the most part so it's yeah, pretty wild yeah what? for me uh it'd be uh, world of warcraft was, wow's up there uh, too mmos uh like it really like as far as MMOs go, I know that like there's the one before at Guild Wars, I think is what it was, where it was. Well, there was City of Heroes and City of Villains before that. That's fair. Request, yeah. request. Uh, but RuneScape. Like, my on my personal level, like it was like World of Warcraft, uh, PUBG. I think is the. F- I, I know that there was a another PUBG. zombie game that I was playing that had a had a uh, a, a battle royale. Day Z, right? Not Daisy. It was after Daisy. It was like Project Zombie or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not that in particular, but uh, uh, it kind of like it. It just revolutionized like that battle, battle royale, royale. Style. uh, and then because uh, now everything's a battle royale. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, World of Warcraft, uh, PUBG. I mean, Call of Duty to to me is is like has been seen as like influential. I know that there's like the the whole debate on like Call of Duty or or, or Halo, like which well, one you, which side are you under, but. Uh, you know, I think that like for future wise, though, I think Hunt Showdown is like I know we, Alex and I are always talking about it, but I think that the it's I don't know if it's done anything revolutionary, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to catch on pretty soon. So I think it's in, in in a weird like statement. I think it's the most underrated and underappreciated shooter in the last 15 years. I've heard that. But but it is, it's such a hard it's because, a hardcore shooter though because there's no there's no like there is literally nothing like it like it is a battle royale but there is nothing there's nothing that mimics it there's nothing that like can replicate it at the moment like the way it's structured it's very much like you remember evolve yeah remember that game it takes mm-hmm. that formula of like team and a monster and like yeah but like it's not just one symmetrical yeah it's not just one team like there's this boss on a map and you have to collect the clues but there's also three other teams possibly full of three people and it's permadeath if you die you lose your hunter and it's it just has all it has all it has all these things that like you don't think would work well and it has an extremely high like learning curve but like i'm 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 about to clip a thousand hours on steam if that tells you anything Ooh, and like yeah. I basically don't play multiplayer games, but I just for some reason that it's had its hooks in me since before, like during, like right when COVID hit. I think it's like when we started yeah. playing it, like 2020, and like it's yeah. just like Jacob can't play anything else. It's like all he wants. He's played Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, and like Hunt. That's the only three games he's played in the last year. Elden Ring is another one. That's my other said Dark Souls. That's my that's my yeah. one. Dark Souls is yeah. another one for. Uh, again negative reasons but anyways so many, we so can talk many about games, this yeah. all day and i know I, that like it's like 10 in the morning where richard's at and it's 9 30 here but uh where can people find your documentary and where can people find you documentary is at fpsdoc.com and it is available to order as of the moment we're recording this until august 1st so, yeah, if you order it before then, you'll get your name in the credits. And this is pretty much 
the last chance as of right now to get it. Um, and yeah, go to fpsdoc.com at fpsdoc, and I am on Twitter. What remains of it, uh, <laughs> David at David Okrata. I have Twitter, but I'm not really very active on it anymore. At Moss RC. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky. If anyone is there, uh, I am. I'll follow <laughs> you. Right see oh. there as well. Uh, and um, I'm on uh, the Fediverse, or most people know it as Mastodon. Uh, at um, my server is my own server, so I'm uh, social dot uh, That's a m o s r c and m e uh, and um, slash mossrc if you wanted to search for me. Or, or, you know, the fancy formatting, the at mosarsi, at social dot <laughs> It's, it's the, such a complicated... By the time this this will drop on Friday, and by the time it comes out, there will be two more social media platforms. So This is true. It's, it's, true. it's insane. Well, fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. And I Thank guess you, I guess yeah. David will do the trilogy next, next, next summer. Oh, yeah. What's happening next summer? I don't know. Oh, probably something. I mean, honestly, like yeah. By the by, the time I that like I talk to you in person again, you will have read my comic book. Hopefully. Oh, this is true. This is true. I was a backer. Yes, yes. You were talking about having tangible things to hand to people. Yes, this that I know. I know that all too well. Um, Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you, sir. Uh, Richard, I wrote a comic book called Polar Destroyer. It's about this cyborg polar bear uh, going on a hell bent revenge on penguins. Uh, (laughs) That sounds awesome. It's. It's probably the most incredible thing you've ever seen, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, uh, right now, I mean, it, it got fully bagged on Kickstarter, and uh, I'm just I'm waiting on my artist to do all the interiors, and then like it, the the goal is October, and it might get pushed back just a little bit. Um, but uh, I I can send you a, a copy of it uh, as a thank you uh, for hopping on this rinky dink podcast that we have here. <laughs> yeah, dude. I really appreciate you guys both uh, for showing up. Cliffy B backed it, which is the most insane thing in the world. Yeah. I still don't know who he is. See? I'm sorry. I don't. He was in the movie. Cliff Buzinski. Yes. Well, he didn't, he didn't watch the movie because he didn't, uh, come, okay. to, well, he he didn't come to my house. You can still watch. Can that still one other guy you guys were talking about earlier. What was his name? Oh, I forgot. John Romero. John Romero. Who's that guy again? Oh, boy. I was yeah. having him on here. So guys, I'm, talking guys, him I'm telling you. Like, Richard the guy with the beautiful him. hair. Like he, okay, now I want to talk to him. Let's get him on the pod. Let's talk to him next. Did you say he lives in Ireland now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm yes. going to Ireland. I'll get him. Don't worry about it, guys. I got it. <laughs> he's gonna. He's gonna take. Now gonna I feel him. like I should warn him. Like that's ominous <laughs> as hell. Yeah. I mean, in a nice way. I'm gonna like go. I don't know. I don't, go to his house and say hello or whatever. <laughs> Just a random person shows some random. I, I guess it's not that weird for a random redhead in Ireland to walk up to his house. <laughs> but again thank you so much for hopping on it was fun always fun yes 